Hello, and welcome to Community Quest episode 307. I'm your host, Darth Willius, and with me, as always... Preparing to lap my co-host in Trails Games, David McBurney, Family Master. Goddammit. And <laughs> Gaijin Strikes Back, your man in Japan, Michael Waker, Gaijin Minokatari. Hmm. You did strike back. It's good to have you back. I mean, it's uh, it was a happy Children's Day over here. Happy Children's Day. I'm trying to remember which episode of Pokemon had Children's Day in it. Probably at least a couple, but... I think it was one involving a kindergarten and a stray Meowth. Hmm. Like, like first or second season. Yeah, they, they tried to make them less culturally Japanese after the first couple seasons. I mean, I think after the first couple seasons, they ran out of purely Japanese holidays to, or yeah, yeah holidays. it's just it's one of those things that they like were very specific about like oh wait this is going to show on every this is going to show up everywhere we should make it rely less on thing assuming you're japanese i, I honestly think they just ran out of major cultural touchstones and just started going farther like away. i said i'm just going off things they claimed uh, yeah like the uh, pokemon princess episode <laughs> there I, I mean that's very much Hina Matsuri. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a seven. I mean, yeah, there's a lightsabers too, buddy. Oh, one uh, bit of commentary I saw recently, just showing um, screenshots of the episode where Giovanni was assigning Jesse and James to the Zeppelin division, or dirigible division, mm -hmm. because he thought they, they could do any good, but because he had, had failed to maintain the things, but they were still fully insured, and he figured that they would just destroy it. <laughs> I mean, good bet. <laughs> and the good commentary bet. was, imagine somebody at four kids thinking, yeah, kids will understand insurance fraud sooner than they will understand that ice balls are not donuts. Listen, they just need to smile and nod. That's yep. all you want. That's all you crave. Yep. Uh, so, what are we even playing? Well, aside from the regular, current one, mm -hmm. since uh, the ladies are up at Grandpa's house today, have Blade in or Blade of the Darkness in the PlayStation again. Hmm. How's that going? For a game with exactly six towns and maybe as many levels, dungeons, it's making the most of this. That's good. Um, it looks like the big, the King's Castle is set up to be a yet another dungeon run. Fifth. Hmm. It's, it's amazing how much, just how much um, mileage they have gotten out of some of the architecture in this game. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, the number of allusions to the Black Dragon's power being basically uranium based radiation um, keep growing. A little concerning. Mildly concerning. Gonna get Dragon Cancer? I mean, I mean, it was, I mean, about four hours in, you had a character who was dying of radiation poisoning until they found a mystical cure. You had the guardian crystals, which were pure and clear until the until they got hit by too much of the black dragon's energy, in which case they turned pure solid black. And hmm. guess what happens when you expose quartz crystals to radiation of uranium? Yeah. Yeah. It turned a black, pure solid black. 
No, no, not a regrettable. Do not wish to be given. Do not wish to be given cancer dragons. Not here for it. But yeah, the game just keeps going on. It's making really pro use of its map and everything in it. Mm -hmm. So that's good. I'm still feeling a lot like a Final Fantasy VI period JRPG. That's mm. always fun. I mean, very, very, very much like this should have been a late SNES game. <laughs> or even a mid-period SNES game. <laughs> Except it was a PC Engine game. Eh, that's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so it's it's definitely a thing of its own. Mm-hmm. I uh, I regret only that uh, I doubt we ever got it. <laughs> oh, you would never have gotten this, no. Yeah. And as for example, um, monsters I'm fighting right now is a bunch of harpies that would definitely require some touching up on the full motion minor sprite. Yeah, some sprite edits there. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, there were 99 we released Turbo Graphics games in the U.S. Definitely not one of them. <laughs> I guess I would say at least 10 frames with some sort of feathered brassiere sketched in. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. And, it's a lot of work. And all of the splash art pages come from the period of fantasy manga where you'd find things like Bastard or uh. Scar or City Hunter, for that matter. Um, which means there's nothing... Hard sell for American children. <laughs> There's nothing explicitly shown at all, but at the same time, it's quite obvious that none of the female characters are wearing underwear. Mm -hmm. so. Very hard sell for American children. No, perfectly easy sell for American children, very difficult for their parents. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you don't need to sell to children. They, they will go for anything that looks cool, but you do have to sell to their parents. And that's, See, that, that's it's hard. also got one of the better... One of the better JRPG or like classic style combat systems I've seen. Mm. Neat. Yeah. It's like uh, and the two party members and all enemies are animated, fully animated, and as the levels go up, the main character has let's see what basic attacks will hit like between two and five times. Um, both sides can dynamically evade. There's counterattacks randomly. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more interesting than the general fight cast evade of the late Super Nintendo period. Hmm. Well, you'll have to tell us more about that if you end up having time to play it again. It seems like a bit of a rare occasion, sadly. I mean, it's... I just get the PlayStation out every single time the ladies are... Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm currently up to like 17, 18 hours into this game, not counting accidental resets because I forgot to save and got wiped out Oops. last night. Um, so it's probably a bit longer. And I'm hmm. probably about 70% through the game. Yeah, I'd expect. Uh, RPGs of that era typically aren't super long. I mean, Final Fantasies, you could guarantee like 50 hours. I mean, it depends on the Final Fantasy. Like, FF4 is like 15 no. to 20 hours. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I got 
Final Fantasy IV and under 20 easily. The Super Nintendo yeah. version. The DS version took a bit longer. Yeah, that, that version is just kind of slower in general. But... Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Wheels, what you been playing? Uh, I, well, I did pick up Jedi Survivor when it came out on Friday. As is evident Jedi. to anyone watching the stream. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, because Star Wars. And uh, the first one was really good. And this one is really good. Here. I can trust you. Noted yes. respawn fan wheels. Yes, people have been complaining about the PC version, but you know, I'm playing on Xbox and it's great. <laughs> yeah, console versions people seem to have no issue with. No. I mean, that's the general thing with the console versions; they're better tailored to their own hardware. Supposedly, yeah, I, hopefully. I, I went with uh, the visual quality with Elsid visual quality mode. Hmm. I forget. But I went for visuals over frame rate and so the game starts out and it's like, oh this this cutscene looks really nice. They've really done a great job with the cinematics and it continues on and I'm sitting there I'm like, this is the in-game engine. This is not a cinematic. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It, it looks really good. I've heard it's huge, so I don't intend on rushing through it. Just playing through it here and there, like I did the first one. So, that's good stuff. Just to that, I played some Legend of Heroes. Got through the not enough. Got through the prologue of second chapter, which is cool. Looking forward to ramping up on that game and played some dot hack and starting to get along in that story to the point where they've introduced the uh, the uh, tournament for this game where it's like all the PKers and they've opened up PKing on the in the towns in the game and story-wise making a ton of people miserable yes, story-wise it's a lot of things that are happening so Damn good so why why did they open up pvp uh because reasons <laughs> a lot of reasons yes possibly even mediocre reasons yes no well good ones though story-wise good ones Fear of a theoretical player of the world game, Meteorcorns. <laughs> so yes, the non the non-aware characters you party with in the game are incredibly miserable. <laughs> yeah, there's one of them that's just like I'm, I might just stop playing the game because it is now miserable for me to play. Yeah. Poor Gaspard. Uh, that's a that's a good scene because it just is like a good reminder of like to a regular ass player it's just like what is going on this game is just miserable now. Yeah, that's been it's been good. Continuing on there, I haven't had I haven't Crimson versus I haven't had to change my deck since like 
the last third of part two. I thought that the game actually, I thought the game actually forced you to in part three, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe later on, but as of right now, I haven't changed anything, and I just keep having like a massive win rate. So I'm not going to touch it until that changes. You solved the puzzle. I guess. Uh, yeah. Let's see. As for me, had I finished Azure when we last convened? I forget. I don't, I don't think I had. Let me check. Let me check some. Check the fossil record. Check the records. Uh. Uh, yeah, uh, if I if I had, uh, then too bad. I'm gonna talk about it sending again, but not actually what happens in it. Okay. Yeah, based on what I'm seeing, I had not finished it. Uh, we might have I might have mentioned some stuff on shenanigans, but I had not actually finished Azure. Okay. Uh, and uh, when we last recorded. Uh, so yeah, I finished Legend of Heroes Trails to Azure. Uh, it's uh, it's an incredible payoff to uh, everything that occurred uh, throughout uh, Trails from Zero and uh, Trails to Azure. It paid off a bunch of dangling plots from Trails in the Sky. Uh, and it also uh, rapidly uh, and lovingly uh, spoils a bunch of events that are definitely happening in Cold Steel. <laughs> cool. And Cold Steel too. <laughs> like, there is no way to play one of those games. Uh, there's no way to play one of those games without spoiling the other. Like, they are too intertwined in too specific and strange of ways. Uh somehow play them concurrently? There is no way to do that that makes sense. <laughs> it was it was designed and released in the order of uh, the crossbow game Zero and Azure and then Cold Steel. So like they were at peace with the notion that aspects of Cold Steel's plot would be made evident to uh, players of the Crossbell games. Allegedly, I've never been able to find good sourcing on this, but allegedly, initially the plan was to go straight from Trails in the Sky to Cold Steel. Uh, which is why, which makes sense because Erebonia, where Cold Steel takes place, is a huge aspect of Trails in the Sky's plot. It's an obvious place to go. Uh, it is uh, kind of blatantly set up in some of the uh, like scenes that you can find throughout Trails in the Sky the Third. Uh, but sometime around Trails in the Sky the Third, they ultimately ended up deciding that there was. Uh, while they were concepting that story, enough stuff was happening in Crossbell that they felt the need to make games that took place in Crossbell that uh, laid bare what ideas they had had for that. But yeah, uh, it's... Uh, 
it's it's very hard to talk about it without like I, I'm not one who's normally for spoil like worrying about spoilers. It's just like if a story is worth seeing, it's worth uh, then you know getting disconnected ideas of what happens in it should not diminish it. But mm -hmm. it's one of those situations where like I couldn't accurate, and that's one of the things that tells you that like a long story was worthwhile. I could not accurately convey what makes it effective in a summary. <laughs> Great time to change up our equipment. Hmm. But yeah, I I adored that game. Uh I'm very glad to know that the crossbow characters show up throughout the later Cold Steel games and in Trails into Reverie because I want to see more of them. Uh the uh, final boss music from Trails to Azure, I think it's called Azure Arbitrator, is incredible. Like, super good. Uh, that, that classic Falcom kind of jam. Mm. Falcom music but, is always excellent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Falcom music has ever once missed, so... So the Falcom uh, band is always an excellent draw at Tokyo Game Show. As well they should be. We're almost there. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, They're just jamming, literally jamming on the on the display floor. Haven't used these since the scrap mm -hmm. But yeah, I just... I just fucking... Uh, just adored that game and am now, uh, you know, knee deep in Cold Steel 1. I just finished chapter 1. Uh, That's the game I'm familiar with. Cold Steel uh, makes, makes a lot of minor change. Like, this is a wild thing to play back to back with Crossbell because. Cold Steel 1 is their big jump to 3D. Uh, it's a it's a PS3 game, but I mean, realistically, it's a Vita game that was also put on PS3, even though it kind of didn't run great on Vita either. <laughs> is that the one where you can ride a motorcycle? I think that's actually Kudo. Because I remember I played one of these games at Tokyo Game Show as a demo. I have no idea which one it was, but I remember that... One of the draws of the demo was just zooming around the area with on a motorcycle. Yeah, if I had to guess, that doesn't sound like Cold Steel, but maybe it's one of the later ones. I don't know. It's definitely not Cold Steel 1. I mean, this would have been like 2015 at the latest. Okay, then it would have to be like Cold Steel 3, I would think. Sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, that was the one where like they decided that continuing to soldier on on the Vita was no longer technically feasible, and they just cancelled that version. Uh, but yeah, so so I'm deep into Cold Steel One. Uh, like I said, it's it's wild to play the play these and have like 3D characters running around. That feels weird. Uh, it's it's affected the battle system in some very strange ways that they haven't fully worked the kinks out because like. The older ones, they had a grid. They they had a grid like a strategy RPG. Even though they didn't play like strategy RPGs, you could. You, you had to worry about distances in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Like uh, back 
What's that? Front and back row and other things? Uh, much more than front and back row. Like, you had, like, a, a grid of... I forget what the size of the grid is on uh, trails uh, in the sky. It's pretty similar in the col uh, crossbow games. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what the size of that grid actually is. Uh, okay, yeah, in Trails in the Sky, it was apparently a 17 by 17 grid. Uh, so not humongous, but definitely large enough that, like, characters moving around the battlefield had a lot of weight. Uh, the grid is gone in Cold Steel. Uh, and... Because of that, there are certain mechanics that are no longer as obvious how they will behave in ways that can be both good and bad for the player. Uh, think of some of the like more obvious ones. Uh, the counterattack mechanic, it's no longer super clear what it's going to do sometimes. Because like basically one of the things that Trials games do is that when a character hits... Uh, if a character misses an attack and the opponent is considered adjacent to them uh, like within their range, they will get a free counterattack. Like that's that's the danger of missing. And mm -hmm. so uh, that makes blind a much more dangerous status. Uh, but in in the older games they have like a very clearly defined range stat each weapon does has a certain kind amount of range uh that, that's kind of gone in cold steel because the grid is gone it can be harder to tell where things are uh the change in the character's proportions mixing with the loss of the grid and the fact that the vita just didn't have a lot of horsepower behind it means that uh the battlefields in general feel much smaller uh, thing, things just kind of bunch up together because the characters are much larger now, and uh, it's it's it, it definitely has affected things. It's not it's not enough to like sink it. It just definitely feels like a combat system that they have not as fully reasoned through as you were getting at the end of uh, Azure, uh, which definitely has some some particular silliness about how it uh, frames certain boss fights and how they're set up uh but yeah it, it's not a it's not a huge problem it's just something i've noticed that like very much feels like the first draft in a new system uh with uh there's, there's some other stuff that's been uh it, it did run into a very funny situation where an enemy's ai kept trying to attack something that it couldn't actually reach uh, because there were other things in front of it. And that was something that could happen in uh, in Trails in the Sky and Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure, but it was not as likely for a boss to let it happen because of the way that... Uh, a boss of a larger size was a much was of a much more deterministic larger size, whereas this was a giant boss that was just sort of caught in a situation where its AI had decided to attack someone in specific, and 
it could not actually reach them because there were characters it could not walk through that were spaced just so that it couldn't actually reach. And so it wasted like three turns trying to kill that person and failing. Mm-hmm. But uh, otherwise, it's been you know it's been very good, very uh, charming new characters, always fun. Uh, that same uh, general uh, sense of keeping the writing uh, well thought out in a way that a lot of other uh, RPGs would sort of brush off. Uh, just, j- just generally, you know, very, uh, very engrossing. Uh, I, I don't even quite know how to describe what kind of sinister hold these games have over me, but I'm uh, now happily starting in on game like six of this binge. So, uh, doing something right. Yeah, it's it's doing many things right. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's been that's been a lot to to. It's been a lot. Um, just having a great, uh, great, great time with that. Uh, let's see. But yeah, and uh, it's also been nice playing it on the Steam Deck because while that object is absolutely enormous and not the most comfortable thing to hold, it is uh, possessed of a much better battery life than the Vita had, which means I can probably get like six hours to a charge on Cold Steel 1. As opposed to two-ish? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh well, so that, on OG Vita anyway, the uh the updated Vita I think had a slightly better battery. The updated Vita with a worse screen, then that's why it gets better. <laughs> battery like Yeah. Uh, like, I mean yeah, like the that was one of those situations where like I mean, there there is precedent for Sony releasing a hardware variant that's shittier than the one they released before, but that was usually at end of life, like the PSP 4000 exclusive to the European uh, territories. Mm-hmm. You've never even seen this thing. Yeah. Uh, it's ugly and very cheap looking. Uh, I believe it was referred to variously as the PSP E4000 uh and uh, like the PSP Street at one point for some reason. I don't know what their thought process was with that name. But it was it was very cheap looking and feeling and it removed Wi-Fi entirely as I recall. <laughs> no longer had bright buttons. Uh, n- yeah, no longer had a brightness button. We had to do that through the OS. Uh, for some reason, the PSP, like, PS button logo was now, like, a touch button, which sucked. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I've, I've never heard a single positive statement about this object. Uh, it was, it was discontinued very quickly, as far as I'm aware. 
uh, for some reason it happened. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cold Steel, having having good times with that. Uh, continuing. Uh, oh yeah, I did uh, a truly disgusting thing. Uh, tickets. No. Oh. It is a truly disgusting thing to make uh, to make money in Cold Steel, uh, so that I wouldn't have to worry about cash for the early game, because uh, you can. <laughs> the first recipe that you get is a simple omelet. Yeah. It is. Uh, it co the ingredients to it are uh, eggs and salt. Which costs mm -hmm. uh, forty mira and twenty mira, respectively. Okay, so sixty, yeah. And if you have your uh, sidekick, uh, mage nerd boy Elliot, make them. He will make uh, ninety percent of the time. He will make a uh, like a super version of them that sells for eighty mira, and the other ten percent of the time. He will make a uh, good but not amazing version that sells for 70 Mira. So it's impossible to lose money on this transaction. You will always gain a little money. Uh, and so what I ended up doing while tired but slightly insomniac was sitting there and having him craft 99 omelets over and over <laughs> and over uh, until I had like 200,000 Mira because I could get like 2,000 Mira per cycle. Nice. And so that uh, I wouldn't recommend doing that to that extent, but it was a a decent excuse to have uh, some early game cash. I don't know what you were expecting that robot to do when you slapped it with your lightsaber, but you really should have expected explode as an option. Yeah, I was expecting maybe cut in half. It's a robot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so yeah, I've got. I got plenty of I've got plenty of cash to splash in Cold Steel. Um, currently, uh, and also have gotten all of the academic points in the game so far. So that's that's good times. I've I'll be playing that for the next well that and its sequel Cold Steel two probably for the next month. <laughs> Possibly more. Who can say? Who can say in this crazy world? But then there's also Tears of the Kingdom coming in like a week. Mm-hmm. Almost literally a week from today. This time next week, Wheels will just be uh, waiting impatiently for his copy, his digital copy to activate. That's true. <laughs> and I know you bought a physical version, but I know you're also buying a digital version. Yes, and while I also don't know when that physical version is coming, because I bought it off of eBay. Yeah, so I have to wait for that person a, to get their copy and then mail it to you. Yeah, and I did buy from an eBay in state, so it shouldn't be that long. But yeah, it still will take some time. Yeah, so of so, course you bought another version as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that Nintendo uh, digital voucher thing. Oh, that's a good idea. At least yeah. you get something so out of it. Get two games for a hundred bucks. What's and the second game gonna be? Uh, not sure. Maybe, maybe Advance Wars. That's a good choice. 
Yeah, I hear that's very good. Looks very good. <sighs> it actually on. managed to hit it's number one on the eShop in the UN. Yeah, that was nice to see. I'm glad people didn't forget about that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that and the Battle Network Legacy of Collection have both outperformed what I would have guessed for them. <laughs> well, it seems like all those Mega Man collections seem to do really well. Yeah, well, uh, Battle Network Legacy Collection fairly uh, fairly quickly after release was celebrating a million copies, which oh, wow. might, uh, which is you know quite good. I grabbed you. Yeah, digital copy of the half of it to start playing that at some point. Yeah, they're good. But yeah, quality one out there. Uh, yeah. Man, I'm just... I think the actual phrase is quality will out. Mm -hmm. But it can also win out. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Over in the current age of game development, it's not necessarily a given. Yeah, definitely not, which is why I was worried for both titles. But thankfully, it seems to both be doing pretty well. Uh, but yeah. Nowadays, uh, it's more often a, nowadays, it's more often an issue of attempting to get quality in the first place. <laughs> but yeah, uh, everyone play trail games. Uh, that's the moral of the last six months of. Uh, I don't quest. have that much time to myself. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've always intended to do that. There's just there's so many games, and I'm honestly and really they, they trying keep to adding. Get back. Keep adding to them. Yeah. Gaijin, you could always play the play the Vita versions. <laughs> <laughs> it can I mean, sound so attractive. <laughs> I mean, like the the Vita versions of Trails in the Sky and uh, Trails uh, from Zero and to Azure are uh, you know perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't really run into. And then Cold Steel 1 and 2 are also on Vita, and then you can just jump to the Switch version of 3 and 4. I'm a problem solver. I'm a thinker. <laughs> and uh, every indication is that Kuro no Kiseki is actually being ported to Switch in some fashion by Falcom internally. Which will be interesting to see. Well, I look forward to binging on Trails games until East 10 comes out. And then I switch to their other series. I'm sure they'll be crushed. But yeah, East 10 Nordics looks very good. Uh, we've actually seen some footage of that floating around now. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just having a, I'm just having a ball. Uh, it's very funny. There's like a character in Cold Steel whose name is like she's hiding her last name. And for new players, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be clear what that name is or why she'd be hiding it, per se. But for returning players, it's like, oh, it's obvious what your last name is. There's only one kind of name you would be hiding. <laughs> uh, I don't know if Wheels got far enough into Cold Steel that she just admits what her last name is. I assume you must have. You got to, like, Chapter 4, I think. Yeah. I don't remember who you're talking about, but yes. Elisa. Oh, she, yes, yes, yes. She keeps calling herself Elisa R. Yes. But... Yes. Yeah, yeah if you have 
Yeah, if you have any, even a passing knowledge of the world of Col of trails, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can guess what your last name is. Well, I don't think you even, because, I mean, I didn't, but I still feel like it was obvious just from passing references. As you yeah, it's just one of those things where if you don't think, if you don't know what the significance of that uh, is, it can be easy to not think about. But, yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's very, it's very funny. And then, of course, you know, they have cavalier attitudes towards. Uh, it's it's fascinating uh, talking to people who played Cold Steel one and two, and then played the Crossbell games because they have some inkling of what was happening in Crossbell, but not a lot. <laughs> and, oh, like, this makes more sense now. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like some things were so huge that they obviously were news that reached the Erebonian Empire, and some, but like oftentimes not the why they happened. And oh, that was my fault. Okay. <laughs> sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's just like, oh, oh, you only had you only had a very dim understanding of what was going on in your neighboring country. But. Yeah, so that's yeah. No, it's it's very one of the things they can say uh, that I really appreciated about Azure's story and how it ties into Cold Steel's is that uh, the uh, the the villainous factions of uh, Azure and Cold Steel are not working together. They just are using the chaos that each other are causing. To make things easier on themselves for whatever plans that they're attempting. It's like this is a world big enough that there can be a lot of different people planning a lot of different things there without having to explicitly work together. <laughs> Which is a nice change from your usual skullduggery. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, so yeah. Oh, Fireminer is asking Star Force collection when. And oh, like that, that's that gonna be tough to do. I feel like they would have to do. I feel like they would. What they would have to do if they did a Star Force collection is they would have to package in some other miscellaneous odds and ends, and it would be very hard to describe how you would market such a thing. So, like in my brain, it's like, well, I don't know. Throw in Star Force and uh, the Legends games, which aren't related, but they are similarly, uh, you know smaller series that aren't quite big enough for their own collections. Uh, get throw on that Battle Network platformer, too. Oh, God, there's like three of those you could be talking about. Like and uh, Network Transmission. Yeah. That game bad. It's yeah. not as bad as the other one, but Bandai owns the other one, so they would never release it. Because the other one was officially not based off the games. It was based off of the anime adaptation of the games. Uh. And it was exclusive to the Wonder Swan. <laughs> Listen, there are good Wonder Swan games, just none of them are Mega Man games. <laughs> and none of them are easy to get anymore. Oh yeah, no, that's that's easy to get that ship sailed. Like the Mega Man Battle Network one remake with Star Force Cross. Oh, Operation Shooting Star. Yeah, there was uh, there was there was a Rockman.exe uh, Operation Shooting Star released after Star Force Three as a sort of like them testing the waters of do people just want more Battle Network or what? And it has like a big extra scenario that's just a crossover between uh, 
Mega Man Battle Network and uh, Star Force, aka Rockman, uh, shooting Star Rockman. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that 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 idea kind of withered on the vine. Shooting Stardew, all the health they could get. Yeah, it was. It, it just they they really assumed that that was going to be huge, and it just never was. I think that was the first DS game I ever found in a store for less than 500 yen. Yeah, I think they vastly overproduced it. I think 2007. Oof. I think that was not long after that game came out in the first place. No, it was not. Uh, I think I think I the think issue we ever got an actual review for it on the site because nobody would play it. <laughs> Which is a shame because it's not even a bad game. Uh, it's just one of those situations where I think they vastly over. They vastly overestimated how much the audience was going to immediately be like, yeah, I'm down for another of this kind of game uh, after six uh, Battle Networks. Because like, the Battle Networks are good, they're very similar, and uh, Star Force is not a huge rethinking of that style. And so you get something that's different, but still relatively similar. And the other thing is that even more than any of the other games like it's very much like you should play this with a friend you should play this with a friend who bought the other versions of the game uh like there's a bunch of stuff in the game about like it, it's a big part of the game's narrative of like oh everyone's obsessed with this thing called buddy bonding and it's like this thing where you like exchange essentially ds friends friend codes to Fucking, and it gives you power-ups in the game and like there are story characters that you buddy bond with and like, that's just part of the plot but there's also I've noted in game reviews before that you know whoever made this game assumed that everybody would be able to play with a friend and that's not possible yeah and... it, it makes the, the intended experience curiously ephemeral for a single player game <laughs> not impossible in a few cases mm-hmm but yeah, uh, I think I think immediately charging in with three different versions of uh, Star Force One was a mistake. Like they should have done one, maybe two, but charging in with three that was that was too much. Um, but yeah, uh, I think if there's any hope for a Star Force collection, it's going to involve uh, them pairing in some other like odds and ends like operation shooting star or some of the legends games or some of the other weird stuff uh also it's going to require that we'll stop getting his ass beat in jedi survivor yeah <laughs> okay let's hit some of the stuff in the chat uh Okay, it looks like you can get the Orville bike in Cold Steel 1 eventually. Uh, Joe is uh, calling you Mace Windu for running with purple lightsabers. Yeah, uh, Mace Windu, cool. Fireminer asks if anyone wants to play Xenosaga 2 with him. And my response would be, I keep eyeing the idea of replaying the Xenosaga games, but it would t I would have to go through Xenosaga Episode 1 again, because it's been 20 years. Uh, yeah. Any true Trails fan knows the cooking grind. Uh, has anyone checked out the Run to Hero number 1 translation for Dreamcast? I was actually just dicking around with it last night. 
Uh, mostly just to make sure that. How do you feel about the Xbox version? Uh... <laughs> there, I've short circuited him. In any case, uh, it seems like that, just for uh, me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know there was one. Damn it! Killed yeah, my joke. it almost it almost came out in English. It got far enough to have reviews of the English version came out before it was cancelled. Um, but yeah, that version actually leaked many years ago. I don't know if the Dreamcast uh, version translation is a port of that translation or a new translation from the ground up. I have not looked deeply enough into the uh, origins of the new translation. Rent-A-Hero was a really... For, for those who don't know Rent-A-Hero, uh, Rent-A-Hero and it's kind of remake Rent Hero number one was a game about a guy who orders pizza and then the pizza delivery guy instead uh, delivers fucking Sentai armor and so he just becomes a freelance superhero who does odd jobs for whatever cash people will pay him. Uh, and it's very much a game that like it's an action, it's an action sort of RPG. It's not a great game experience, but it is weird enough that it's kind of fun to like just see what weird things are going to happen in it. So I'm I'm glad to have that sitting at the ready to be played eventually. Uh, the original Mega Drive Rent a Hero does not have a completed translation, to my knowledge. I played a bit of an incomplete one, and the opening of Rent a Hero number one, as far as I could tell, was basically identical. Uh, I'm not certain how faithful the rest of the game is, but I think it's a pretty faithful uh, update of the original Rent a Hero. And Rent a Hero is one of those things where it's like, it's such a fun, stupid concept that I always kind of wish that they would come back to it and try it again. But I don't, I don't think that there's any appetite to actually do that. So, no, no rental hero number two in the future. But it's it's good that the Dreamcast version is available. Like I said, the the original Xbox version eventually, uh, the English version of that leaked. Uh, the seemingly the build that had been sent to magazines for review. But yeah, it's uh, it's a neat game. Uh, not amazing, but if you just like weird shit, uh, Rent a Hero's got you covered on weird shit. Uh, let's see. Um, and then... Uh, I'm gonna check in with the... So Fireminer dropped a number of questions into the podcast section. Should, should we hit Krulls first, since that's on the last week's episode? Oh yeah, I need to check that. I was meaning to, so let's do that so that we don't lose that. So let me just go ahead and open that up. Thank you for catching that, Kaijin. That's why I've had it open for the last uh, however long we've been talking. Let's see. Uh... uh Okay, yeah. Uh, what games have made the biggest jump or dive in quality from one to the next in the same series? E.g. 
Zelda 2 to Link to the Past. Bonus points if any improvement is not down to hardware. Wait, what? Uh, I've been thinking about the uh, hardware qualification and very rare to find one that is not related to hardware just because with that many series that do multiples within a hardware set. Not anymore, anyway. Can you read that question and the ones one more time? Once his his argument was that Zelda 2 to uh, Link to the Past was a precipitous leap in quality. Oh, okay. I heard that run. Yeah, he said the biggest jump or dive. So I think he was uh, using Zelda 2 to Link to the Past as a precipitous leap in quality. Uh, uh, I, I was going to say, this used to be uh, more common, I feel like, back when games would just sort of uh, come out. <laughs> like, games didn't take so long that you could only make one in a series within the console generation. Yeah. Most uh, of the examples I can think of are like Super Nintendo, where gameplay, the development cycle was short enough to make this possible, but also can't even can't manage the hardware condition either because Super Nintendo's tend to, or the cartridges tend to have hardware upgrades within the cartridge. Yeah. I think if I were to hand, uh, pull yeah. one out that feels like a fairly in retrospect, obvious one, I would actually say Dragon Quest 2 to 3. Yeah, that's is... the one, that's the first one I could really think of Yeah, properly. I figured that you would catch that one as well. So Final because... Fantasy 1, 2, and 3, the jumps between those three games were massive, way or mm -hmm. another. I have a really good um, one. Uh, just partly because 2 was that, just that weird and experimental and trying everything to begin with. Yeah. What was yours, Wheels? East 5 to East 6. That is... Like, the thing that's wild to me when I play East 5 is, like, this is clearly just a prototype for East 6. Like, yeah. tons of East 6 DNA is just in here. Uh, I think that East 5 is a little underrated at this point. I don't think it's as good as East 6, certainly. But I do think that its reputation is a lot worse than the game itself. Well, I, <laughs> I want to think that some of that might have to do with just playing it when most of us played it, which is long after it originally came out. Because, like, I was, yeah. I, I had the the context of playing it right after East 4, both versions of East 4, uh, that were contemporary. And those are maybe a year or two before East 5. And. While I do enjoy both versions of East 4 for a lot of ways, I do think that it felt good to play East 5, a game that felt like it was very much trying to uh, make actual strides forward about how to uh, improve the East formula, as well as it's a gorgeous Super Nintendo game, uh, hmm. much more so than Tonkin House's work on East 4 Mask of the Sun. Uh, Fireminer yeah. says East 5 is not a Falcom game. East 5 is a Falcom game. Yeah, East 5 is a Falcom game. East 4 isn't. Yes. But East 5 was definitely Falcom itself. Uh, other than the weird PS2 version, which I'm seeing credited to uh, Arc System Works of all companies. Is that their first non-PC release that was imported by someone else? Which one? East, East 5. I think that might be. It's the f definitely the first one I like. They they did a couple, I think, of late 
Super Famicom games, but it was definitely like, I think you can tell that it was fairly hot on the heels because it's not too long after Mask of the Sun, and Mask of the Sun they did not make. Uh, let me see if I can find... Uh, oh god, this is... Wikipedia, why would you put these in this order, this just nonsense order? Okay, there we go. Okay, so... Yeah, because they also didn't do the uh, Super Nintendo port of Brandish either. Um, yeah, I think I want to say that East 5 was their first uh, non-PC game that they made in-house. Wow. Uh, I'm seeing... You count the MSX uh, PC-88 as PC, yes. Yeah, the, the, we're, we're counting that as like Japanese personal computers. It's like a broad uh, combo. Uh, essentially game that they made for a system that required some sort of licensing agreement to be entered into to release it. <laughs> because uh, otherwise it was like they had another company as the intermediary or they released it on systems that there was no like licensing uh, required to develop third-party software for. Um, general mess that is Falcom making, publishing anything. <laughs> they are also a company that seems to be constantly cycling uh, cycling employees and have been for decades at this stage, so they are a real ship of Theseus of a developer. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I do like East 5, uh, but yeah, I, I would say that East 6 is a much more complete version of what they were attempting with East 5. Yeah. Uh, even though I do think that East 5 acquits itself better than you would think. Um, Let's see, what else? Uh, a major shift in quality. Uh, Anything that really went from good to bad? There's definitely... Uh, I've definitely seen sequels that were big misfires, but usually that happens when games jump console generations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lumexino is the obvious hanging yeah, fruit. Yeah, that's, that's the free space that people, people have heard us complain about many times, so... <laughs> so, um, something random. Um, some of the Atelier games had some interesting jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that's just due to, like, memory, or, like, space issues for between the early games and the later games. Mm-hmm. Like, for, like, for example, the second game in the series had much all of its opening um, exposition on a separate CD because they could not fit the... Re the uh, voice acting on the main game. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And I was I was gonna bring up uh, in in the comments, Fireminer said check the FIFA question that uh, I brought up in the Discord for another example. And uh, yeah, like that's <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to. <laughs> A lot to unpack on that. <laughs> but, 
that's uh, I wouldn't even say that's per se a precipitous drop so much as a situation where the like, <laughs> series has just been sort of in uh, decay for a decade. <laughs> Uh, in, in its decadence. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to hit uh, further into these FIFA questions because they're fairly interesting ones. Uh, thanks again for uh, always providing us with questions, Crawl and Fireminer. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, to hit some of these Discord questions. In retrospect, is there any game like Saint Anger in that it's bad, but it was nevertheless important as a means for the developers to work out their problems? Uh, there's actually a lot of games that I think actually do uh, showcase, like, oh, they learned something and made something good now. <laughs> um, the mysterious trilogy of Atelier comes to mm -hmm. mind. Um, uh... I don't hate they, Mass Effect 1, but I feel like it qualifies for this because they like quickly determined what were bad priorities for the franchise and keyed in on what were good priorities, and so Mass Effect 2... And uh, probably forgot what their priorities were after Andromeda. Um, Andromeda, they actually... I can I can tell what they were going for, it just didn't work. <laughs> I mean, like, after Andromeda with Anthem and stuff. Oh, Anthem, Anthem, yeah. No one was making strong decisions with that. We don't talk about Bruno. And oh, and again, God. reading through random stuff on the internet just to prepare for things and across a thread discussing um, bio, um, bio, what was it, Bioware? Um, yeah, Bioware. Various higher-ups in Bioware stating that they were deprioritizing story. Yeah, there's some... And the commentary is like, yeah, this is why this is part of the reason why Anthem failed is because they were relying on everything to come together like it usually does for their games, but not realizing that story and narrative are the glue that's holding the, their games together. Yeah, yeah. There's, I, I, I recommend this this channel a lot, but uh, the YouTube channel of Mark Dara, who was an executive producer at Bioware for like a decade and a half, uh, has a lot of good like. Uh, post-mortems about the games that he worked on and uh, like one of the things that he goes uh, goes on about is uh, in a few of them is that like the quote-unquote secret sauce of Bioware is the characters like the story only has to make enough sense because like it's the characters that keep people coming back yeah exactly and he, he like with when whenever he has brought up Anthem, he still has like a video coming about like a postmortem on Anthem, though that may take a while because he's also doing consulting work on Dragon Age Four at this point. But uh, like whenever he's mentioned it in the past, it's sort of like uh, yeah, we you know so like people were not making strong enough decisions on that, and there are some uh, there there was some point where Bioware was sort of losing. A degree of sight over uh, what what their uh, strengths were, and you could kind of see that in like the, there was like this big identity crisis that the major Western RPG developers had at that time. Bioware and Bethesda, chief among them, where like their games were bigger than they'd ever been, and now uh, somewhere along the chain, whether it be the developer or the publisher, there was like this idea that to grow their market further at that point they needed to like this is this is not uh don't, don't ascribe this to anyone else this is like the observation i've made strictly as like someone watching it but it seems like in order to grow their market share they felt like they needed to sort of eat into each other's market 
And so Skyrim was huge, so bits of Skyrim find their way into uh, Bioware games, and like, uh, you know, Destiny starts getting huge, so bits of that kind of game find their way in, and that's how you end up with Anthem. Uh, and... I mean, that, that's the normal kind of thing where everyone tries to copy the Nick, the current big thing in hopes of being the best big thing. And yeah, and, and really then... With open world, and nothing else. <laughs> And then, and then the other thing is that you have, on the other end, you have Bethesda Softworks doing Fallout 4, which clearly is attempting to do more like emotional storytelling than Bethesda had previously done. There's a bit more uh, going on, and it's it's just a complete failure. They they do not have the, the game structure and the way that I, I'm not going to say that Bethesda games have bad writing. I think that they have functional for what they're supposed to do, but they're not supposed to really drag you. They don't, they aren't emotional games in that sense. In the, like you don't get invested the same way that in characters, the way that you do in Bioware games and trying to make you invest inevitably doesn't work because of the kinds of uh, behavior that the games themselves encourage are antithetical to treating the world like a place that you care about uh i mean otherwise who would actually sit off the nuke <laughs> and of course like that is like definitely a choice that exists to be wrong and that's fine uh and bioware games have plenty of things that are like less extreme versions of set off the nuke where they are a choice that exists to be wrong just to let you just to make it so that there's more weight to making the right choice but the the thing is that like they're they're always big ideas. They don't zero in on small things the way that you have to in order to sell characters. And when they try, you end up with Fallout Four, where people felt stifled by uh, the way that you have to interact with the quests because in, they they still weren't zeroing in on small things. But like when you had uh, conversations, the infamous joke is that. Uh, there's, for, for the most part, like, when someone offers you a quest, there isn't an option to just say, I don't want to, and just ignore them. You will, the quest will end up in your quest log, because even, like, no is treated as sort of sarcastic yes. <laughs> and, like, that... Basically, it's, like, whenever somebody says, oh, we need to focus on our core competencies, and that what they really mean is we need to figure out how to do everyone else's. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. Like, I, I think that both companies have kind of moved away from that. Uh, like that that period where they were trying to ape aspects of each other's style, but it definitely I think hurt their games in the tens. Uh, both companies I think were were made worse by trying to inexpertly adopt aspects of each other's styles and producing things that. Ultimately, we're ill-suited to both. Um, Joe says he set off the nuke in Fallout 3. Yeah, I mean, you know, people do that. I instead shot that guy in cold blood after he suggested doing such a thing. I'm trying to remember. I didn't. I played like 15 hours of Fallout 3 and decided I was basically done. Uh, I finished it. It's kind of bad. Yeah, that's generally the consensus. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's just one of those like, eh, I don't need more of this in my life. Um, I do still need to play New Vegas. I have it on the deck. Uh, I've got Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas 
for PlayStation 3 from Mac years ago, and I still haven't actually oh, played boy. them. Those are, those are not the versions to play. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, the, the Game of the Year editions of both. <laughs> yeah. Still not the versions to play. The, the Bethesda's engine never ran well in the PS3 is the problem. And, like, not in the sense of just, like, oh, this has slowed down. It's, like, in the sense of this crashes a lot, a lot. And sometimes it loses shit when it does. Well, I mean, it's not like I ever have enough time with the PlayStation, even then, to really get into mm -hmm. them. And if the Outer Worlds taught me anything, I am crap at melee at, in these kinds of games. <laughs> not that good at shooting, either. Uh, so. To be fair, Fallout will be easier for you because there's the VAT system, which takes the shooting bit out of your hands. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's it's not a style of game that I'm particularly skilled at. Mm -hmm. So, and Joe says, <clears throat> excuse me. Joe says, uh, New Vegas runs great on Steam Deck, and yeah, uh, I've I've messed around with it a bit, and it seems to run uh, about as smoothly as that game ever has. So, I'm looking forward to giving it more of a fair shake. Um, uh, yeah. Um... God, speaking of Fallout, I've been uh, watching some videos about extremely weird Eastern European uh, Fallout mods uh, on YouTube by a guy named Warlockracy. Oh, see, I thought and... you were going to say uh, Eastern European Fallout-like game Stalker. <laughs> Oh, he's done videos on those as well, but uh, <laughs> there's a there's an extremely weird Fallout like two mod that's a crossover mod between uh, Fallout Two and Stalker that I believe he described as essentially the room of video games. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those, those are those are very good if you're interested in uh, extremely esoteric uh, aspects of uh post-soviet uh area like post-soviet block area rpg uh culture those are fascinating uh but yeah oh god there was another what was the other thing that i was uh looking at there was oh yeah the 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 single weirdest thing uh that i saw a video of uh and he's hardly the only person that's covered this, but I think his video in particular was good. But it was a uh, Morrowind mod that was a uh, recreation of a Soviet-era military town that was located in Kazakhstan called Emba 5. <laughs> and uh, just sort of like wandering through that and like sort of piecing together the kind of person who would create such a thing and that is utterly fascinating to people <laughs> especially when this recreation of the soviet era town also has aspects within the mod that attempt to justify why it's there in morrowind lore <laughs> And the answer, as with so many things that involve weird technology in 
came from outer space. Fucking Elder Scrolls is the disappearance of the dwarves. Ah, uh, yes. Never mind. It's always yes. the disappeared dwarves in Elder Scrolls. Because they refused to ever explain what the hell happened there. They did not explain what happened other than they had way too much technology. So surely they could have just made this random Soviet town. Surely. They're never going to explain it because it's... It's too useful. Too it's too useful and too huge a plot hole to fill. Yep. But yeah. Uh, if, you, if you have uh, some some time to kill and need something to throw on in the background, uh, those videos by YouTube user Warlocracy are quite good. Nice. But let's see. Um, okay. Uh, let's put some more questions. Um which game is like be here now and that you can literally feel this the disintegration of the developer as you play the game I was about to say SNK versus Capcom 2 but to compare it to be here now it's too harsh it's also not really fair because Capcom was in Capcom is the one who developed that one uh, you can tell because all of the SNK sprites are new but all the Capcom sprites are old uh, <laughs> so what is be here now be here now is the third album by uh, British, uh, 90s British institution. Uh, God, what is their fucking name? Why am I blanking it? Uh, it's an Oasis? That sounds right. Gin blossoms, uh, wallflowers, wallflowers. Definitely not. What the? What? Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that that's what's being referred to. Yeah, Oasis. Okay, I was correct. Uh, but basically... Uh, Oasis is, I believe, third album. Yeah, third album, Be Here Now, was infamously described by... Okay, yeah, and Fireminer confirmed it's Oasis. But Be Here Now by Oasis was infamously described by one of the two principal people behind it as uh, a bunch of guys uh, coked up in the studio not giving a fuck. Um, Lovely. It that is would be a Red Company, but Red Company's still better about actually making a game at the end. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, things that I can think of uh, that you can definitely see a developer that is most most usually out of money, which I guess is where the uh, uh, like SVC Chaos I would say is actually more of a if we're comparing those because while SNK did not die after it, it had died many years before it. SVC Chaos is from the era where they are just barely picking themselves back up and have no money whatsoever, and that game is weird as shit because of it. Um, um the the only thing that really comes to mind is Final Fantasy Twelve. That's a game where, yeah, like the there, amount the, was it of... the, uh, the head of writing was like terminally ill or something, and Yasumi Matsuno, who was initially in charge of the project and was like, which is why they made a mainline Final Fantasy game in East Evil East, had some unclarified breakdown during that game's development, uh, wow. and left like two thirds to three quarters of the way through. Uh, development. I don't think that anyone has ever spoken in any official capacity about what exactly happened there, but it's definitely... It's like they were caught playing catch-up and trying to second-guess themselves and not know what they were actually doing with what they had and put something together. I think that was it. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I mean, just in terms of, I don't know if anyone's ever actually said what happened with Matsuno there, other than 
the evidence that we have based on his behavior over the past 15 years since has been that uh, he seems to have absolutely no desire to run a AAA project ever again. Uh, Understandable. Yeah, no, fully understandable. Uh, but yeah, the, that game seems to have uh, fully fully broken him uh, in some in some irreparable way. Uh, he still does. You you can still see him. He'll get roped into like uh, I remember he was the face of a Kickstarter uh, many moons back. I forget what that was actually what that game was actually called. I don't think it's yet out. Although there is. Uh, still a company officially claiming to be working on it, I think. But there's that that entire Kickstarter was cursed from the beginning. But uh, that was a case where like a company got him essentially to write a design document, but not to be part of development. Uh, he was brought back for both reimaginings of Tactics Ogre, the PSP version, and Reborn from last year. Uh, and he also did like writing on an FF14 raid, and that's kind of the most you can get out of him. Uh, like that's the biggest commitments that you can get out of him. He's done some other stuff that's like smaller scale. He did uh, the game Crimson Shroud, which is part of Level Five's Guild series, where they just yeah, gave... I remember that one. Mm-hmm. And that one clearly shows like his deepest passions. He's just a big old tabletop RPG nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm kind of hoping that someday he'll get himself straightened out enough to just start his own indie studio and make random weird little things for the game market over here. Yeah, that'd be nice, but I feel like if that was something he had the appetite to do, it would have already happened. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what the thing I was thinking of was called. It was called Unsung Story, that's what it was. But, yeah, like, basically there was a Kickstarter that was like, Yasumi Matsuno has written this new RPG, and then, like, you probe into what it was and it was basically like he wrote a design document and then gave it to these people to try to make uh, let's see and yeah little orbit the people working on that game have made updates to that kickstarter as of this past december which is just wild to see that they are still trying to make that game a reality like respect because oh the no one, no one who contributed to that is ever going to be happy again. Joe is asking about playing Connect Four, and no, this is a password entry. Connect Four. Yes, such a thing still exists. Connect Four. Sorry, I'm just saying Connect 4 over and over. Connect 4. I like Tetris. We should answer another uh, question before we get completely derailed. Yeah, sure. yeah let's, let's jump on. Uh, which game developers... Which game had developers that just didn't give a fuck? This is where FIFA initially came in. FIFA 23, because at the end of EA's... Because of the end of EA's deal with FIFA, FIFA fans haven't stopped complaining since FIFA 14, but 23 is probably when I heard the complaints the loudest. I mean, I don't know that anyone has probably ever felt more like their job was pointless than the people who have to keep doing 
up, uh, updated Switch versions of FIFA games, which I don't <laughs> know when they finally stopped. But uh, they haven't, because there was another one this year. <laughs> oh Lord, I, I would imagine they'll be stopping now because it would require more of an overhaul. Um, basically, uh, the FIFA versions on Switch were quickly declared legacy versions, which means that they were like they weren't even pretending that they were updating features. It was just like, this is just a the last year's game, but with the updated uh, set of players and teams. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that, like, I, I, I'm i sure that that was just an EA mandate of like, we don't want to devote a lot of money to this. We don't want to devote a lot of time to this, but it makes money, so we'll keep doing it. Uh, but it was very much like they just like people working on that must have felt honestly just like why am I even here? <laughs> uh, Joe tried justifying uh, the salary and hoping they didn't get fired too soon. Sounds like he did not have a good time. I have yet to hear anyone having a good time with Redfall. Yeah, I'll give it a try in like three months when it's patched. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what it's like then. It sounds like a particularly bad Bethesda launch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I actually was watching a stream on the side of it yesterday, and I had it was just like, what, what is this? The answer seems to be like weird RPG Left for Dead. What the fuck? <laughs> Prey died. Prey for died for dead. <laughs> uh, maybe if they had advertised Prey, we could have gotten Prey too. Well, Prey, Prey, it would probably have just been called Prey because that would, there are two games in the Prey franchise and both are called Prey, so I would assume that the third one would have also been called Prey, but... <laughs> Spelled with three I's instead of a Y at the end. Then you know what? I'd be here for it. <laughs> they could have just sold the tro- sold the trilogy of Prey games. Play Prey, Prey, and Prey. <laughs> the trilogy. But yeah... Pray, pray with a neat game. Uh, but yeah, I, I would imagine that a lot of the kinks for it are just that while Arcane has tried to do this kind of game a number of times in the past, I don't think anyone remembers things like The Crossing, but they did. it was announced at one point. Remember The Crossing? No. <laughs> it was an announced uh, PC uh, multiplayer FPS that... Uh, how to describe this uh it, it seems like they were kind of trying to build on the idea of like the old counteroperative mode for perfect dark uh but it was like it was really high concept because it also involved like parallel universe shit like it was there were story reasons as to why shit was happening but uh yeah, it was a, it was a weird thing, uh, but it was you know it was them trying to do this like weird multiplayer first person shooter experiment that never really happened, and I think that there's always been like a desire within Arcane to try that kind of genre, but I don't think that they've ever released anything that super counts as it. Aspects of that are of course in like Death Loop, but when you're having to actually do uh, all of this like network uh, game design, it's it's very different. Like it requires a lot of very specific knowledge to do properly, so I can't exactly blame them for having had issues. Uh, but I think that you know, give it a few months of patches, and it will at least be interesting enough to fuck around with. 
but let's see. Um, okay, but hitting this question again. I'm trying to think of game, like, you know, since the, the, the big issue with anything where it's like, you know, games where people didn't give a fuck, you run into this issue of like, usually if people don't give a fuck, the game just never finishes. <laughs> Like it's it's very hard. Yeah, like because game development is so hard, if people don't care, the game just kind of never ends up happening. <laughs> uh, you will find uh, cases where people care about the wrong things uh, and produce nonsense or like just poorly thought out things. But it's it's very rare for a released game to it's reek of not caring. <laughs> What's that? The part where they didn't care about the right things or just had poorly thought out things. We've mentioned several instances of this already today. Yeah, <laughs> we tend to come back to this topic. Uh, okay, but we'll, we'll if I can if I can think of anything else, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to this. Uh, now them. I've made restoring old PCs my new hobby. I've been trying out old PC games. It struck me how EA has been putting less and less effort into innovating FIFA. While these games have been always following an iterative design model, you would expect some major shakeups every four or five years, or between two World Cup titles. It's not been the case for the last half a decade. Uh, what do you think caused that? Uh, games are just games take too long. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's for these games become too big for the team handling them that they couldn't do anything else. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's done some kind of cost-benefit analysis to see how little work they can get away with. I mean, I'm sure that like the cost-benefit analysis for that is uh, not a complicated one. It's just, if we actually go to this kind of trouble, we won't be able to put out a game every year. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's definitely not because there's nothing left to innovate with FIFA. I know that they have withheld bug, bug fixes or removed features from games so that they would have something for marketing the next title. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things like, there's tons of stuff in there that I'm sure you could ask any developer on the team and they would see, say, yeah, that needs to be re-architectured. That needs to be uh, torn down and rebuilt from scratch. And there just isn't time. There isn't an appetite uh, within EA's corporate structure to sit out a game for a year or two uh, to try to make the best FIFA game because the the audience wants a FIFA game that reflects the current state of football and so they uh, more often more so than they want like a lot of these features to be re-architectured to be the best version of themselves so <sighs> the the internal how many how many series can you actually point at that actually have annual iterations it's it's become basically just that and like Call of Duty, <laughs> like uh, that and Atelier, but Atelier manages it in a completely different way. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, tag teaming going on with Atelier, I think. Yeah, but, and that's also how uh, Call of Duty is, and I'm sure to some extent that's how the the simulation sports games are doing it as well. Uh, but you know, there's there's only. Only so much you can do, uh, because they still need to be working on the same engine fork. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's just you know I'm sure that there's a million things that 
anyone working on these games would love to just sit down and like completely rethink a bunch of these things and just you got to pick your battles. You got to pick your battles. Um, how much have loot boxes and gotcha screwed up sports games? Like, oh lord, I don't like. I've occasionally thought like I'd like to play a modern ass basketball game or whatever, and then I look at what NBA Two K is and don't. So that's uh, as much information as you need from me. There's definitely a shift in the design language and development process of FIFA after Ultimate Team was introduced, and it was not a good change. FIFA World Cup games are definitely a victim of loot boxes because of how hard it is integrating it to Ultimate Team. Yeah, it's it's 100% like the... You know, the, that's the other thing, is that like sell them a new game every year uh, to make sure that they're still on the Ultimate Team train because people can spend way more on that than they can on the individual box product. Uh, same thing with the NBA 2K games. <laughs> Just yeah, play the, the NBA games. Say so the games okay. as a service bandwagon doesn't usually take into account the fact that self-contained games tend to be more popular. Yeah, but you want whales. <laughs> yeah, but the problem with whales is that I mean, there's generally only one or two whales and a whole bunch of minnows. Yeah, but. Well, don't tell that to Sony and their plan for uh, 10 live service games. I thought it was 12. It was some insane number by 2026. It was 10. The, the okay, last yeah. I saw. Yeah, it was an insane Like, it is an. Like, they. I, I have to imagine that internally they don't even expect all of these to succeed. They're just hoping that one or two succeed. Yeah, like, the thing and I read was they were saying, like, oh, this is sure. a tough market, but. We're still going to do it, essentially. It's like, why? Like, by 2025, 2026, this business model is going to be, uh, unless you're the best of the best, it's going to be poisonous, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> people just don't trust these games anymore. Like, it's harder to lure in whales because no one expects a live service game to stick around anymore. Yeah. But. They're not yeah. designed to stick around. They're designed to make as much money as in as short a period as possible and then die. Yeah, I mean, we we just had uh, Apex Legends Mobile, which was popular and voted, like, best iOS game, just shut down <laughs> after, like, a year. Yeah, it just, like, there's, there's a limited amount of whales out there, and most of them have already picked their pond. Yeah. Again, it's, I mean, it's relatable to, like, during the big MMORPG craze where everyone was trying to be the next World of Warcraft while Warcraft was already, or was still there. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's not enough room for two worlds of Warcraft. <laughs> yep. You need to you need to not just be as good as World of Warcraft. You need to be better enough than World of Warcraft that people actually leave World of Warcraft to play you, and that was none of them. So that, uh, or you just need to not be World of Warcraft and be something else. Yeah, you need to be sufficiently different that someone who didn't like World of Warcraft would play you. Um, sure, plenty of people who don't like World of Warcraft. It's mm -hmm. like, it's okay. Let's see. Uh, Fireminer says, this way, if you have to play a live service game, play something from developers specialized in it, like MiHoYo. Like, I'm not a fan of that, just because I dislike Gotcha, but at the same time, I wouldn't ever expect a MiHoYo game to suddenly shut down after someone had spent $500 on it, so... Yeah, I mean, like, whatever Bungie makes next, I would trust that. 
something. Yeah, because I mean, I would trust any developer who has seen a game come out not do as well as expected and pushed it until it became playable anyway. And to some greater or lesser extent, that would be Destiny 2. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of, one of those live service games is definitely whatever weird uh, marathon reboot that's been an open secret at uh, Bungie for a year and a half now. Uh, Let's see... Um, let's see, but yeah, like when, when you when they dive headfirst into live service and like sports simulations have gotten really heavy into this for a multitude of reasons. They they really do, like they 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 can't, but they definitionally, in order to sell to you, they have to base themselves around uh, degrading the experience that you can have by not spending money. Uh, That's the other issue. It's like, the game has to be just good enough to make you want to play it, but not good enough that you're not dissatisfied to the point where you will buy more stuff. Yeah. And or, 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 you know what I mean. Um, yeah. That, that it, right. needs to, it needs to make it, like, it needs to create that certainty that if you just spend that little more, you'd be having a lot more fun. Fun and, pain. Yeah, it's, you know, that's an, it's such a dangerous place to, like, part of the reason that these games have this issue is that, like, that's such a dangerous place to put your player's mindset, even if it wasn't fundamentally kind of immoral. Uh, But, like, it's it's such a dangerous uh, mood to put the player in where they're, like, having some fun, but not as much as they would be if they just spent that little more, because, like, you're you're inculcating the sense of like unhappiness in the player on purpose, a degree of unhappiness. And, Fun pain. Yeah, and the that's super like ugh. Uh, like there there's artistic reasons to make the player unhappy, uh, and this is not that. This is uh, exploitative versions, but uh, and this you know yeah it, it it's such a it's such a difficult line to walk, even if that is truly your objective. Uh, but yeah, it, it's yeah. I I will be happy to see the back of most of these live service games. I I do not like the kinds of attitudes that they attempt to inculcate. I do not like them on a... I find many of them morally kind of repugnant. Uh, you do not in a like much... them, Sam, I am. Yeah, but I don't think that eating green eggs and ham is going to turn me around on this one. <laughs> no, definitely not. But yeah. And for most of them, I can't blame you. Let's see... see which long-running game franchises still remain better on consoles than pc i'm convinced that were it not for streaming and modding a lot of fifa and madden fans on pc would have moved to consoles i think honestly all. like all yeah the, the way i would describe it is that unless it, you know it's it's very much like what do you want out of games but like if you're not a modding enthusiast i think most of the time you're better like 
unless you're like really into frame rates and uh (laughs) frame rates and different lighting methods uh i i don't think that there's a lot that honestly like that beats like the degree of just being able to turn on a game and have it work Like when I, because like I've been I've been fucking around with Steam Deck. I've had a lot of good times with the Steam Deck uh, thus far. But also, sometimes things just don't work, and like that that can happen on consoles. But it's like an infinitesimal chance. Like mm-hmm. it's a, comparatively, it's like a point one percent chance. Whereas like, uh, even something that is like suppose like says it's deck verified or whatever, you could put it on and it could like. Yeah, it technically checks all the boxes, but this sucks to do. Like, this isn't fun. It's not a fun... Th- like, the... Like, you, you see the same thing with, like... The, the current du jour is the Jedi Survivor is bad on PC. Like, it's a bad version. And I'm sure that in a few months, it will have been patched, and it will be perfectly fine on PC. There will be nothing about that experience that I would rather have on PC that I couldn't get on the console versions. And I won't ever have to think about, is my computer going to ex- just decide to explode in response to this game? Uh, will World of Warcraft ever be ported to consoles? Is this question from 2006? <laughs> God, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers this because it's... Okay. Uh, do you, do you remember like the yearly? Oh, the ex console maker is going to uh, port World of Warcraft to their console. And like every year, it would be either Microsoft or Sony has finally negotiated for World of Warcraft on their console, and then eventually people stopped asking. Uh, at this point, uh, the the reason you would never do this, quite aside from the fact that it just doesn't make it much doesn't make much sense, is uh, that the actual process of porting World of Warcraft to a modern console, even though they are so PC like, would be nightmarish. Uh, that is a very old code base. Yeah. Uh, FF14 was on PS3, Shudders. That is not a good version. Nope. And was discontinued as quickly as they could manage. Like... Comparative to the PS2 version of FF11, which got to basically the last expansion before they finally stopped uh, supporting it, uh, the FF14 PS3 version, I think, I don't know what the last version of FF14 you could actually play on PS3 was. Uh, I'm almost certain that they abandoned it at least like a few years ago. Uh, PS3, FF14, final version... Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say half a decade ago, but was like that can't they can't have done it that quickly? No, half a decade ago they ended PS3 support of FF14. Uh, so yeah, that that was something that they they very quickly decided that they did not want to have to deal with ever again. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. Um, now that EA and FIFA have parted ways, while other, in which other highly corrupt and greedy sports association would you rather not see involved with video games? Hypothetically, of course, NFL, NHL, CFA. I mean, NFL's kind um, of the the free space in America. <laughs> the IOC. 
Oh, the oh that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> probably that one's the winner. Because holy That's shit. Yeah, that, like any any time you see are the. Are they actually involved with Mario and Sonic go to the whatever Olympics or? Is yeah, those just... are officially licensed. But yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The the Olympic committee the the Olympic commission is uh, grotesque. Uh. The games are never good. Um. So you know maybe well, just I kind of, stop. I kind of liked how Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo Olympics had the time travel thing where they went back to the 1960s. Oh yeah, no, that was that was cute. Uh, but yeah, I, I do not want to give a red cent to the uh, International Olympic Commission. Uh, let's see. But yeah, good job on that one. That's number one with a bullet. Uh, let's see. You remember? Hey, remember Blade and Soul? No. I, I know. I remember the name. Yeah, the name is familiar, but I couldn't place anything to it. Uh, I'll be right back. Continue on. Uh, if either Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo gave you the option to buy into a subscription so that your console's home screen would not show ads, would you buy it? No, because I've mentally learned to never pay attention to them. I was thinking like I, my Switch has ads. Um, I'm. I mean, think back, it probably does. I just don't remember noticing them. Yeah, they're not on your home screen per se, at least not often unless like they, they drop a game trial on you. They're in the like news section. Yeah, I make that whenever whenever I'm taking the thing out of sleep mode and have to press the button three times, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there will be things on the left side, but it's like, okay. It's yeah, those like, are the most unobtrusive thing in the world. I have no issue with those. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm bothered paying to get rid of those because bother me yeah they there's there's slightly more of an argument to be made for the uh ps5 and xbox series uh like the the way that their uis are set up but honestly like i would honestly just pay for a better ui uh <laughs> before i would pay for the ads to go away the ads are like whatever i don't like them but they're fine uh how bad are they on my on the xbox uh, they just sort of fill up random like squares in the UI as you're looking as you're uh, doing things, which is just like whatever. Like they typically aren't obtrusive enough for me to have an issue with them. And then the the PlayStation UI is just a goddamn mess. I like the the way that that's laid out is antithetical to how my brain works. I have no idea where I'm going with those, but, like, the ads are, like, problem number 10,000 on that list. Which trash game are we talking about? I'm talking about the PS5 and Xbox UIs. Mm. But, yeah, I, I don't have a particular... Uh, I don't find any of the ads on those services particularly obtrusive, and I don't think they would ever uh, even offer to let you get rid of them because the I don't think they're actually making money off of them, per se. Like... The running of them, not not a lot. Like the percentage on that's not great. The answer would be more that they're making money off of the uh, increase, the boost in discoverability of various things, products that they want to sell you. So, uh, I say the Switch ones tend to be mostly like Nintendo's own news line. Yeah, Nintendo, like anything that they've entered any sort of promotional partnership with, tends to get pride of place in those. 
and then they'll also throw in like, hey, this is on sale. There's a big sale happening. I mean, it uh, also be things like Nintendo Directs and other things. Yeah, it's it's just you know ways to keep you like you know I generally care about what Nintendo's releasing, so I don't particularly need that to go away. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't think I'm the audience for this. They they don't bother me typically. Typically, what bothers me about the UIs is not the ads. <laughs> What are we talking um, about? Uh, ads in the UIs of Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo systems, and if we'd pay for a subscription to get rid of them. Oh. And I was yeah. basically saying that the, the Nintendo ones are so unobtrusive, I forget that they exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brain filters out most of the PS, the PlayStation and uh, Xbox ones, so I would honestly just pay for better UIs, even if they kept the ads. <laughs> but... Um, let's see. Next I'd, to the classics. I was going to say, I'd love to pay for a better Sony UI. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like made the same complaint. They've been getting progressively worse <laughs> since the PS3. Yeah, I wasn't in love with the cross-media bar, but it at least seemed consistent. This is just, these the PS4 and 5 UI just feels super arbitrary. Um, let's see. Next to classics, like id Tech, do you think, uh, which open source engine or application we are going to see more and uh, see the most in the games industry. Godot, you're not going to see anything written in Godot. <laughs> Still uh, waiting for its success, yes. Uh, Unreal. Yeah. yeah, Unreal is the big one, uh, but I think that was probably supposed to be included. Uh, like, Godot is like, you know, as far as I can tell, a solid uh, sort of uh, small scale engine, but I don't think you're going to see it in like big projects if that's what you're getting at. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of it ends up being stuff that you don't actually think about. Uh, that does very specific and strange things. Uh, I remember looking at uh, one, one of those middlewares that you see logos for on like tons of games and don't even think about like speed tree uh, which at first I assumed like that must be just like a euphemistic name no it's for vegetation modeling it is just meant to make it so that you can make like trees and vegetation growth very quickly like that's all that middleware does mm. uh, but that's ex- you know that's extremely specialized and it's important to be good at what you're doing and having a middleware that can just make it easier to make environments that are overgrown and vegetated that's incredibly powerful so you know shout out to speed tree <laughs> um, much cheaper than trying to make your own it is it is super not worth working out the te- like because vegetation is such a specialized sort of rendering path mhm so, like, just, just get the middleware. Someone who's good at making trees, please make trees. Um, anyone remember ActImagine video codec on the DS? Yep. Saw that every time I booted up my Ace Attorney games. ActImagine showed up on all sorts of uh, those. Uh, Renderware was kind of the middleware engine on the PS2. Uh, if, if a company was going to use middleware, a middleware engine of any particular stripe, it was likely going to be renderware, in part because Grand Theft Auto used it. Uh, 
so that one I think gets the gets a Hall of Famer uh, category just as a legacy inductee. Um, Havoc gets uh, gets to live uh, live on in infamy for being the source of just the funniest nonsense imaginable. Uh, <laughs> because tell. like phys- physics are really hard. And I don't blame them for not like being perfect, but it is also like uh, companies would get havoc and then not implement it great either, and you would get like incredibly strange, beautifully dumb physics uh, that came out of badly implement bad havoc implementations. Uh, and that's why uh, one of the three campaign that's the reason that one of the three campaigns of Sonic 06 is unplayable. The other two have no such excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allegedly, Silver the Hedgehog was added to Sonic the Hedgehog 06 entirely on the basis of they got Havoc in and were so enamored of what it could do that they were like, we'll do this telekinesis physics-based gameplay, and that shit does not fucking work. It does not even come close to working. (laughs) Incredible. Just completely busted. Beautiful. Um... Remind me, is this what Dawn of Mana tried to use to make everything destructible? Yeah, I never actually played that game. I just remember it being a selling point. Yeah, it's extraordinarily bad. Um, I, I, that in fact, that is uh, the game that caused me to get the nickname Tam. That's uh, rough. A friend of mine. <laughs> no, no, there's a reason. No, no, so, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, so a buddy of mine in the Navy named Shumway, that's his last mm-hmm. name, bought the game and, and or was. Yes, it's important. So <laughs> no, I it said so Gordon. It was, Oh. It was it was an Alf joke. Oh, I. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, he was planning to get the game. I was like, dude, I'm not hearing good things. You may want to hold off because this this is not going to be like traditional mana. And it's probably not good. He's like, and then he gets it, and like a couple of weeks go by. I see him on the base because, uh, and he comes up to me. And it's like. I should have believed the 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 mighty. I should have believed the anime. <laughs> no, no, he knew me as the anime man. He actually he was he's the one, the one that Tam. the mighty Tam. There, okay, okay, that makes yeah. sense. So he's like, I should have believed the mighty Tam and listened to you that it was not a good game. It's like it it was bad, wasn't it? Oh, it was so bad. So so that's <sighs> where so that is where the nickname of the anime man came from. There we go. Oh, that's fascinating. Hmm. Got to learn the lore. Uh, okay, let's hit a few more questions. Uh, and I up. thank, and by the way, I thank the uh, review staff of RPGamer.com for the re- for being like, yeah, this is not a for good warning game. you off of that one. <laughs> yes, because I did not even buy it, <laughs> and I have some shitty yeah. games like mm-hmm. ruining Blue Earth. Oh god, poor Hoshigami. Um, I had that one too. Yeah. Twice. Oh, did you pick up oh, the okay, up version? Why? Why? I twice. I was hoping it, I was hoping it was better. I don't I would not have made that assumption fat long enough to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh this one I think don't is just to them, Tam. Live the dream. Believe else, what's wrong? Wheels, what's wrong with you? Well, know you know, I now. give him as much. I give him a bunch of crap about okay. playing Destiny all the time. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Gnome, KDE Plasma, XFCE, or LXDE. 
not strong opinions. <laughs> I I have an idea, but I don't work with half of them, so. <laughs> no, gnome. Thank you. Yeah, gnome seems like your best choice there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just how many consoles or digital devices, for that matter, have FreeBSD's code in their firmware? Probably a lot more than, probably a lot. Yeah. Um. See, but I I couldn't even begin to guess what the actual number is. Uh, back when the Steam Deck had first come out, people were saying that it would make developers pay more attention to Linux. Is this forecast still holding up? Absolutely not. <laughs> or have developers already are developers already satisfied with uh, Proton? Yeah, but by all accounts and appearances, they're porting they they're setting up games so that they will work in Proton, uh, yeah. which is a compatibility layer partially derived from wine uh that you know basically it, it just imitates how windows sets things up and uh you know in, in general that that's less work than trying to make a native linux version you're going to hit most of the people who would run a native linux version uh if you port to proton so like in general like native linux ports no, made no odds. People just sort of port to port in such a way as to make it easier to run Proton. Um, we've talked about there are more bad Double Dragon games than good ones. Yes, Rage of the Dragons doesn't count. It's literally a match or melee game. Why do people keep trying to resurrect that brand name? Because it has cachet. It used to be a movie, don't you know? Because it is a, a brand name. Yep. It was also a cartoon. Yep, I was was referencing the theme song earlier. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry, I did not listen to this. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I just just was letting you know. Saying this, what kind of people like that terrifyingly bad 90s Double Dragons animated series? I don't think any of us actually liked it, but we just remember it. I liked it. I don't remember it. It's actually available on Blu-ray from Discotech now. Uh, It's not not great. It is kind of funny. But the point being that people aren't buying into the brand name because of the animated series. They're buying into it because of the original games. Yeah. yeah. Why is Double Dragon allowed to, continu- to continuously fail? Because it, when it does succeed, it makes markedly more money than it costs to produce. Uh, In fact, the very next line, because it yep. doesn't take a lot of resources to develop a beat-em-up. Yeah, like... Itself. They're they're relatively uh, they're relatively cheap to produce compared to what they are, and the name still has cachet, which means that if you are trying to sell it, you'd rather that than an unbranded beat 'em up that happen that's going to in ninety percent of ways be kind of the same thing anyway. Uh, it has like, the benefits of being alliterative mm-hmm. and just evocative. Yeah, like it, it really just even if you've never heard of Double Dragon, Double Dragon as a name sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. So Double it's, Dragon. It's, and then, you know, there are those handful of ones that do get remembered that people do love, like the original, like uh Neon, like the uh more some of the other spin-offs. Like you get these these handful of games that people do love and do remember, and then they just conveniently forget about all the ones that sucked because like none of them sucked in a way that was catastrophically damaging to the brand. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is that I believe Arc System Works now owns the brand and they, uh, you know, just 
just throw it out there because it's to them it's also just kind of an extension of Cuneo, which is why, for example, River City Girls Two has Marion in it, who is very explicitly like supposed to be the same person as the Marion from Double Dragon. Uh, although the the redesign is as radical as is possible, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's all sorts of little things that just uh, make Double Dragon one of those things that you can uh, revive repeatedly without spend without breaking the bank attempting it, and then you know sometimes you get three uh, you get three sevens and it starts dispensing money. see which currently popular multiplayer game would instantly stop being popular the moment it stopped being free to play most of them most of them it's it's difficult to imagine like cuz like if you did that you would have to completely re-engineer them yeah. like they would they would be they would behave in very different ways if they weren't free to play they would cease to be the same game in a lot of ways so i'm not sure what those would look like it, it feels unfair to even list to even try to name names cuz like i don't even know what like what is a what does a pay to play fortnite look like we saw that and it was like for fortnite save the world and like we've already seen where that goes um let's see uh, anyone remember? Okay, I literally installed the hacked super light version of Windows 10 to my Steam Deck. So when every millennial has, when every millennial has died, Double Dragon will also die. Uh, if no one, if no one from future generations comes to care about these later games, which eh, even odds they don't, it's hard to say. I, I could tef- definitely see something like the new Double Dragon Gaiden developing a fan base among a younger audience. But it's definitely one of those things where, like, uh, its primary fandom would be uh, millennial, certainly. Uh, okay. I think I've asked when did LCD and LED TV start to replace CRT? Before that point, how many people would have played games like Gran Turismo in widescreen mode? Basically, no one. Mm. Mm. widescreen CRTs were rare, extremely expensive. And uh, huge! Yeah, like, my gran- impractical. My grandparents, owned, my grandparents owned two of them. Oh, Lord. Jeez. And they were huge. Like, even yeah. at six foot two, they still came up to, like, my chest. Yeah. The, the other thing to note about this... Uh, is also um, because of the fact they were still running on RGB technology at the time, or RG, the three prong technology. Um, the corners of I tried playing Star Ocean Two on one of these. The core um, and at the edge of the screen, you could actually see the the game screen start to separate from the colors between the RG um, between the red, and, green, and blue. The edge distortion. Yeah, yeah. electron gun were, shit. So yeah, they were they were not good to play on because of that. Yeah, ga- games were not designed for them. I I can name one PS1 game with any kind of widescreen mode that I can think of. Uh, that would be the original Pac-Man World. Inexplicably has a widescreen mode. No idea why. Um, <laughs> it's all the future. 
But yeah, like you can it, when you think about it this way, it suddenly like explains why for the first like five years of DVD's life, you had every major movie would come out in widescreen and pan and scan versions. Yeah, uh, it's it's just like no one. Like people, like most CRT TVs were not huge the way these are. No one had uh, widescreen CRTs because that was insane for the most part. No offense to your grandparents. Um, oh, the, the, none taken. My grandparents were crazy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and, you know, the, this was just not. Uh, so, you know, you were looking at a relatively small object that was going to uh, then. Uh, a relatively small object that was uh, going to then have its relatively small screen size cut into by the uh, bars for the widescreen to make sure that you could actually see the uh, full theatrical aspect ratio. But, you know, uh, it's one of those things like these were not common. I don't think I ever saw a widescreen TV until the 2000s. And I, I was, you know, not the... It's not exactly uh, someone with a lot of cash to splash. We weren't people that bought new TVs that often, but it is one of those things like the high-end uh, CRT TVs like Sony's Trinitrons were not typically widescreen either. Like you could get high-end CRTs that had like really, like the things that they were good at were very specific and strange uh, like to try to describe because they involve words like shadow masks. But uh like high-end uh, CRTs were typically not specifically widescreen either. It just it just was not something you saw that often. Uh, and yeah, the practicalities of manufacturing uh, CRTs of that size are exactly why you didn't see these things. Uh, you know, once you start moving into LCD and LED technology, plasma TVs, like anything that labeled itself a flat screen in the early aughts, like that's when it suddenly starts making a kind of sense to make the screen of such a size. Because otherwise it's just, it just, it just doesn't make any, like it's so expensive just to move the damn thing around. Like mm-hmm. you try shipping one of those gigantic ass uh, CR, widescreen CRTs, it's nuts. Um, Granted, uh, they usually had wheels, but they were still heavy. Hi. Uh, you're lucky you had your said wheels. Uh, my parents did in the mid aughts. Their first HDTV was a uh, was a CRT, and that one did not have wheels. Yeah, oh sorry. lord, sorry. moving sorry. that thing around was hell. Wasn't available for that one. Sorry. <laughs> Damn you, wheels. <laughs> um, okay. Well, this is why named wheels. We we keep lugging you around everywhere. <laughs> okay. How many luggable. people? How many people you knew had a projection TV back in the day? Zero. None. None. I had to Google this thing, projection TV, but I'm pretty sure I did have one, sort of. Because hmm. I, pro- uh, I did have a projector for a little while, but not a projector TV. Projection TV. It's yeah, a style TV, TV screen, and it's a rear projection. Yeah. I, I and, never met anyone who had one of these. And I... Uh, well, the... The uh, the local neighborhood community center where I used to do classes for five years had one. Mm-hmm. 
though I would use this for videos for classes and things. However, it did not survive the 2016 earthquake. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Because, well, I mean, it survived the first one, the, the first one, the second one the next day, made it fall f- flat on its face. Mm-hmm. And it did not survive the experience because this thing was massive. Well, I bet. Yeah, it was. This thing was huge. Um, if you look up rear projection television on Wikipedia, it's very similar to the one that's in the picture there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I might have seen one of these somewhere, but it was it was not in anyone's house. I'll put it that way. Uh, these these were not. To my knowledge, common at all where I was growing up. Interesting with widescreen CRT is because the digital processing technology in them was neither great or fully developed. There's a lot of things that just make uh, widescreen CRTs and like large scale CRTs just impractical for a dozen reasons. There's there's a reason no one That's tries why we it. Don't make them anymore. Yeah, because like there's if you could get them. If you could make them smaller, if you could make them uh, less heavy to transport, CRTs are still really good at a lot of things. Like gun uh, games. Yeah, but I mean, even 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 for people who aren't playing games, like the, the uh, color reproduction and black levels and the sorts of things that people get real up in arms about their TVs doing, like CRTs are still really good at those kinds of things. But, you know, it's just... <sighs> just not, uh, just not in the cards. Um, let's see, has anyone here ever connected the Xbox 360 or any consoles, for that matter, to a VGA monitor? I vaguely remember seeing in person someone doing that with an OG Xbox, and then run Winamp from the console. Anyone else miss Winamp? Occasionally. Winamp's still around. I miss Winamp. Yeah, Winamp was good. Winamp is still around. I still use it. Yeah. I did. They've they've upgraded it since too. Cool. I did use you... the VGA adapter for the Xbox 360. What if you had used it for the Dreamcast? Vomit. I think I think you're being too mean to the Dreamcast wheels. You can relax. I mean, probably. Play some Crazy Taxi. It's... I can play that at my Xbox. Can I? You can play Crazy Taxi three, but remember that it's basically a Dreamcast game. But on my Xbox instead of on the Dreamcast. That is true. It is in fact on the Xbox rather than a Dreamcast. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've never, I've never done that. Uh, I just used the composite and then component cables once I upgraded TVs. Uh, Good times, good times. Well, the games were good anyway. Um, <laughs> not always the best of times in other ways. Um, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, but I, I never really had VJ monitors. I didn't really have good computer at the time. The, those would have been relevant. So, you know, never, never really something that I had a lot of time for. Let me, I want to hit one of the questions due to our 
New Year's resolution before we wrap up, but I think my brain is starting to die, so we're going to have to... Yeah, I'm struggling right now. Yeah, so we're going to hit one more question. Yeah, we're going to hit one more question and then call this. Uh, why do you think there are so few good Transformers games? Is it because the developers don't know how to make Transformers look cool, or is it because their hearts just weren't there? I mean, it's because they're cheap cash-ins. Uh, you say there are going to be third-party licensed games that are funded by Hasbro for the least amount of money possible. Yep, little time, little money. There is a really good PS2 Transformers game, a shockingly good one. Uh, oh, the um, one based off of the... Uh... Armada... Armada series, yeah, that yeah. was pretty good. All, the the war on Cy the whole Cybertron series was really good too. Yeah, that was the Planet Moon ones, right? I I would have to go look. What's I want to say that. Was... What's that? Yeah, the falls, you know, War for Cybertron, Falls Cybertron. The third one was a little like more iffy. Games. Yeah, okay. yeah, the third one was a little more iffy, but the first two were really solid. Yeah, they... Oh, it's High Moon, not Planet Moon. I get those too confused all the time. Uh, yes, my brain is stup is in enough of a, like, dissociative fog that I can, like, routinely be contemplating games by High Moon and Planet Moon Studios and mix them up. High Moon, um, are they the ones that made the Deadpool game as well? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, the PS2 Transformers game... Uh, initially, really, initially previewed as Transformers Armada, prelude to Energon, but ultimately just released as Transformers, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, a shockingly good and technically impressive game for that system. Uh, but yeah, the, the issue, especially when you're fighting Typhoon. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's it's worth going back to at least gawk at what they were managing to pull out on the PS2, but. Uh, yeah, my my the, the the obvious thing here is just they're quick. They're the turnaround is quick uh, on these because you know they typically are designed to tie into a children's TV series that will likely be on the air for about three seasons and then be replaced by the new one. At which point, the current one will no longer be relevant, <laughs> possibly even canon. Yeah, so. It is always very funny to me how Transformers is composed of a few different Japanese toy lines that have all become one toy line in Japan because Transformers was popular in the West. And thus, there is an eternal duel over who gets to make to set primacy on what the canon is for Transformers as a whole. Uh, and Japanese Transformers fans tend to strongly prefer... If you're a big like Transformers lore nerd, they tend to strongly prefer the Western canon because it takes itself more seriously. <laughs> which is extremely funny to even contemplate. Which, which makes uh, the Transformers the movie so funny because um, there are robots that die, there are Autobots and Decepticons who die in that, that still show up in later episodes. Yep. Yeah, there's... Uh... Uh, specifically, I want to say Brawn is one of the big ones that gets called out. Mm -hmm. The funniest thing that ever happened with that was just that, like, children were so viscerally upset that, like, Optimus Prime had died 
that it caused them to change the ending to the G.I. Joe movie that was in concurrent production so that fucking Duke of G.I. Joe would not be killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. But... Ashing through the sky. Cobra. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. I love those, I love those movies. <laughs> no worries, no worries. But I think that me and Wheels are about zonked out, so I think it's time that we put this baby to bed. Let me... Tell me a bedtime story about pizza parlors. Oh, sadly, this week's story begins on a tragic note. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I got my very first one-star um, writing. Oh, no! And I have no idea why, because this coward did not leave a review. Just <laughs> they just they just left a number and didn't leave any feedback. That sucks. But how, yeah. how are you going mean, to name names I got for so many, me to hunt down? I, I got so many nice ratings last month that I've just been checking regularly. And Monday had one that's like, oh, there's a 34th rating on this thing. And it's like, oh, it dropped oh. zero. It dropped point two on the aggregate. So what was it? A one star. What's going on here? There is no sign of why. I can't uh. even mock them in an upcoming episode. <laughs> I'm going with my one three-star review. Um, well, now you can uh, say serious. at least the they weren't a coward. Episode, the next episode is going to actually almost word-for-word word quote the three-star review. <laughs> Just for the hell of it. Talking about something else entirely. No one can stop you. Inclu including typo. Including the typo. <laughs> oh, um, also, Hollywood says change your game. I did. Why isn't it updating? <laughs> okay, but it. tell us... Uh, whatever. Tell us about... Tell us more about pizzas. Well, then, yes. Yeah, so, if, if you enjoy tabletop role-playing games, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role-playing games, and this is an entire thing these days, and if you want to live vicariously through other people's uh, poor personal decisions and poorer dice rolls, and if you'd like to just throw me a solid and give me a better rating to help even the average out. Yeah, count counterbalance that that jerk. <laughs> please, please, because it takes about five five star ratings to properly counterbalance a one star mm -hmm. Amazon's algorithm. Eh. Uh, um, so we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu um, for Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Currently with, let's see, what's the current count? Da, da, da. Ten episodes, three side stories, a paralogue, and if you prefer Dead Tree format, th uh, four paperbacks at this point. Working on the fifth, and um, so I really should just get back to doing final edits on episode 11 so I can have that out next at the end of this month or start of next month. Mm -hmm. Complete with nice. spoof of three-star review. <laughs> I think I just need to change somebody's name, and that's about it. Good choice, good choice. Yes, anyway, that is Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U, because we have to mess with the algorithms somehow and nobody can find me under my original name. Ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> Too many bakers. Spoil the box. I, I, Wait, I, no, that's not how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you about my wife's uh, host dad in Florida, right? Yeah, I think I remember you mentioning this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It's a fun story. But yes, mm-hmm. so yes, so please check it out um, if you enjoy uh, tabletop role-playing games um, that are vaguely and not actionably similar to Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. Fine, um, it's Creative Commons now. You can do whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, first, it's you still have to be careful what you do. Yeah, no, do I know. I'm just making that. A joke. Second of all, there was quite a the chance last last year that. Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast were going to screw that up royally. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I actually, actually, I yeah. saw some lawyers' takes on it, and what they tried to do was explain lawyery terms in non-lawyery fashion, and it caused it to blow up a lot bigger than it really the issue was. So the actual, there was one thing in there, according to two different lawyers I listened to on YouTube, who said. This is bad, but this is the only part of this that is actually bad. How bad was that one part that was actually bad? Uh, they said it was like moder- um, like m- middle of the ground bad, but but like everything else that like all the stuff people were actually having a fuss over was non-starters. Hopefully, hopefully, so, but again, but we are the, talking about the company the. Uh, memory of TSR's um, negation happy craze. I, I think think there was some of that coloring the perspective of everyone on the other side. Yeah, it is very funny that they did ultimately just uh, license the game as Creative Commons, which well, I mean, something good came out of people yelling at them for it, so. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Uh, Tam, tell us about where we can catch your stream. Uh, I am one of several streamers who you can always catch at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Uh, I am usually on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings um, at various times now because I am I have no other things to do in the morning except feed a cat. So it's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me and a cat who's down here. Hi, Toby keeping me company so uh i'm i'm sort of in between games at the moment so i've been playing the new honkai star rail oh yeah it's the new hoyo thing yeah yeah the new hoyo verse thing uh which is surprisingly a turn-based rpg <sighs> good way to make it so that it doesn't uh completely yeah, that it doesn't uh, cross-contaminate. Uh, it, like, it has like an obvious point of differentiation from uh, Genshin. It even has a like in-game, uh, vis- uh, slightly visual novel-esque game mode. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's still very... gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's still <laughs> it's no the the visual novel mode is not gotcha. Well, that's neat at least. Yeah, there, Maybe someday they'll make something that's not a gotcha so that I can play it, but huh. until then. <laughs> but th- this one's actually pretty fun, and there's oh, you get enough characters free that it, it's not that bad. Um, yeah. I'm actually like going on my way to the third planet right now. Planet 3. And there is a lot. There's like a bunch of hidden quests, and but uh, I'm not the only one who streams, so uh, best way to find out who's streaming and when they're streaming is... Checking out um, the web our website, of course, or uh, hitting uh, the calendar on our Twitch page. Twitch.tv slash rpgamer. 
So, <laughs> what about you there, David? You got anything going on? Not at the moment. I'm just waiting for a vacation that I'll be taking in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you, you, no offense, you, you do sound like you kind of need it. Yeah, a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty tired. Um, but yeah. Uh, but otherwise, until I'm on vacation, at which point I'll be taking a break uh, for a week from Q&A and uh, uh, shenanigans. Uh, when is that again? I will be leaving on the 15th and returning on like the 22nd or 23rd. Okay. So, yeah, that means we'll basically a Q &A have a... and us shenanigans. <laughs> well, that basically means we won't have a Q&A that week unless uh, Gaijin can get it off or something. No, I think we were planning to just take it off. We're just taking it off. Yeah, I was going to say, they're doing the recording side, so... Yeah. yeah. True. But yeah, so, so no Q&A that week. Uh, That'll we'll be the week to... after Zelda release. I will be... We'll we all is perfectly fine with this arrangement. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Zelda will just go... Once I get it, we'll just go sit on the shelf of collection. I don't understand, but okay. Um, I, I have discovered that the Zelda games are not for me. You didn't have to then then don't buy it. Don't buy it. <laughs> but for collection. You don't. Why? You don't need it. But collection. Okay, no, I'm, I, I, I don't have. I don't have it in me to try to dissuade you out of this course of action at this stage. I'm, I'm, I, I, basically, I am a wheels of a different sort. No, I don't yeah. do that. Otherwise, I'd be buying a bunch of visual novels and being like, well. Another one for the shelf. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. Uh, but yeah, for the buy what you like, this man. This sort of part of my this describes part of my Steam library. But my defense, I've gotten a lot of really random free in, um, keys off people in the past. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th thanks once again to Fireminer and Crawl for providing our questions this week. Oh, also, I want to give a shout out since he was in the chat and since he's not here to plug himself. Uh, Twitch.tv slash SmokeAndJoeGamer. He has currently been doing uh, streams of various Metroidvanias. I know he did a stream of Metroid 1 where he actually finished it. I don't have it in me to do that, so I respect that. Uh, Zero Mission? Yeah. I don't think it was Zero Mission. I think it was <laughs> NES Metroid. Ew, wow. Uh, you know, res respect for that. Um... But yeah, you can find that, and also his similarly named YouTube channel. Uh, but, you know, yeah, give him a look. He's a good guy and, you know, fun streamer. Uh, let's see. But yeah, uh, thanks once again to Crawl and Fireminer for uh, asking our questions this week. We really appreciate how much that you guys do to keep us going, keeping us pontificating. Uh, but for now... Uh, if you want to ask us questions like they do, you can ask them underneath the in the comments section underneath this very episode on rpgamer.com. Uh, I was going to do that after I finished telling yeah, them how to ask questions. Yeah, proceed. Uh, you can ask us questions by posting in the Discord, like Fireminer so often does, and a few other people sometimes do as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can also ask us questions uh, if you catch us in the Twitch uh, 
uh, if you catch the Twitch chat, you can ask us questions in real time while we record. And while Wheels plays a game badly. Um, wow. Or nice. plays a bad game. Or plays a bad game badly. See Mugenthals. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was an easy choice. It was an easy one to make. But uh, It was. Yeah. Uh, but what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, you can ask questions if you catch us in the Twitch chat. Typically for Q&A quests, we run on uh, 9 Pacific, midnight Eastern, uh, up until you know, whenever we get tired and can't keep talking. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on Thursday nights, we also do Shenanigans. That's our sister show where uh, we just sort of play whatever, uh, even less structured than Q&A quests, just uh, typically me, Wheels, and Joe, but sometimes Gaijin or Tam are able to make it as well. Uh, currently... Uh, you were playing. You took a break to play something this past week, Wheels, but I can't. Uh, oh, you were playing uh, Trails in the Sky. That's what yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, so there was a brief break to do some Trails in the Sky. I'm surprised you forget forgot that, since you were just commenting about the uh, fact you're going to get further than he is. Oh, I, I was. Mean, I, I'm just... getting further than he is in Cold Steel because he's like five games behind me. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, but you know, I think we'll be uh, back to you finishing out Resident Evil Village this week. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. You can enjoy uh, me and Joe trolling wheels as horrible things happen to him in the factory. Uh, but otherwise, I think that about wraps it up for us. So see you, Space Cowboys. See you. Ah.